welcome to the Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast. I'm your host, Lupna, also known as the Action Accelerator, and I am flying solo today. The Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast is a weekly podcast where we give you insight into the personality of successful sushi adoring entrepreneurs, showing you that success is all about having fun in and with your business without the hustle and the grinding. So today we've got a psychologist in the house. Leanne Allen from Australia has been a psychologist for 11 years and coaching for about four years. She loves, loves, loves to help people change their mindset and their views of themselves. So important. Leanne has had her own practice for over 10 years on the outskirts of Sydney and is about to sell it. And I believe she's got a bio, so we're praying she'll be able to do that in short time. So she can fully focus on coaching. She has two kids, although kids, they're 20 and 18 year old. So they're not really kids anymore. Her second marriage is a dream after a very controlling first one. And she feels like a completely different person after continuing to work on herself. Now, I'm interested in that part. She says her clients are often also her teachers. They teach her about her and what she needs to learn or improve on to be a better therapist and about the human spirit. What I really also love about Leanne is that she has recently started to work to help men cope better with their divorce. She's created an online program with the option of having coaching with it. And this is a journey that started after seeing so many men suffering alone and feeling there's not much out there for men and they are right. She likes to fill the gaps if she can. Leanne, welcome to the Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast. Thank you so much. That was a very nice introduction. <laughs> <laughs> now, I have to start there. Why would a woman start supporting men when they are going through a divorce? Why not? <laughs> Why not, I say? Because men often like to talk to women about personal things. Men, if they can see that women out there want to support them, that Justin, that can help them change their mindset a little bit, especially if they feel like all women hate them and are hating on them. And if I can be the one woman that says, hang on a minute, not all women are hating you. You're not in this terrible atmosphere of feminism or something where men are looked down upon. If I can help to equal up what's going on, then then that's what I'm all about. And men are actually really cool to work with because when a man decides that he wants change, he's ready. He wants change. And that's all there is to it. And usually when a guy makes that decision, he's all in. Oh, wow. I worked in mostly men environments. I mean, I've been an, an IT auditor, so I've worked with accountants and controllers, and they're usually men. And I do recognize what you said. I mean, they, the only thing is they need to make that decision, but when they have, they're committed and they're going for it no matter what. But still, most hear from other business coaches is that your client before you solve the problem, but you went to the other side of the equation, not you having gone through a divorce, but the man supporting the man. How did you even consider looking into what is out there for men going through a divorce? 
Well, I have been through a divorce about 10 years ago now and I know my husband did struggle emotionally with that and he didn't get very much help as far as I'm aware. We do talk now, but not about that sort of stuff. And as a psychologist, I see a lot of guys going through divorces and separations and that sort of thing. When I was single, I was on the dating scene, online dating, and oh much shit going on in these guys' heads and the way they would talk to me and I'd be like, what is going on here? I could just feel the venom. Like they had not got over their ex yet. They were so angry, so hurt. And yeah, you could just say something very simple and they would lash out. And if I would say I wasn't interested, it was like, bang. And I'd be like, well, okay. <laughs> so much wounds, so much woundedness going on out there. And then I saw last year with all the things going on with, oh, what was it now? But not the what about me, the... Me too. <laughs> me too. Thank you very much. And I saw that a lot of men were kind of feeling um, like, oh, okay, there's so much out there for women and... Yes, that's definitely needed and Me Too was fantastic. But I also saw guys have been abused in many, many ways as well. Is there anything out there for them? So it kind of went from my experience with men and dating and divorce and how horrible that is, my clients, Me Too. I really like working with men. It all just kind of evolved from there. Oh, I love that. I love that. You are a psychologist. 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 Okay. So you are in the process of selling your practice because you want to focus on coaching 100%. Now, I can imagine someone right now listening and thinking, but why? I mean, what's the difference between being a psychologist and a coach? Why do you need to sell the one thing to do the other thing? Can you give us a little bit of insight into that? Well, I don't know about other countries, but in Australia, psychology is very well supported by the government and all that sort of stuff. But there's kind of rules and regulations about what you're allowed to do and what you can't do as well. Psychology, as you would expect, there's a lot of trauma stuff, a lot of difficult issues that you have to work with every day. And coaching is a totally different energy. Coaching, people come to you because they have a problem and they have a goal and they don't know how to get from the problem to the goal. Psychology people come to you and they're like, can you fix me? It's not my job to fix people. It's my job to empower people. And to be honest, I've always had this feeling that I shouldn't have been a psychologist. I should have been something else that helps people, but I didn't quite know what until I found coaching. And then I was like, oh my God, I'm supposed to be a coach. This is where I get to empower people and guide people and take on board what people say to me and enhance their skills and their own qualities and point them in the right direction and help them to put, you know, their gear into drive instead of park. It's just a lot more fun being a coach. And <laughs> when you talk about, you know, getting out of the hustle. We don't want to hustle and grind. And my God, I do not want to hustle and grind anymore. I want to have fun with my life and I want to empower other people to have fun as well. So that's why I'm doing this, this big change. Yeah. Love what you said. I mean, one of the things is I'm very interested in human beings and the human mind. And I started my career in IT, which is basically the most scientifically engineering, objective, fact-based area, which it's also a part of me, but one of the things that when I started, and I started almost 20 years ago, it was literally the very first steps of 
automation in the healthcare sector. So they were still having paper patient records and they needed transition. And I was trained at university to support and facilitate those transitions. But they had never taught me. They taught me about the possibilities of IT and the possibilities of the automation. And I was like, oh, my God, that's great. Look at the opportunities. There can be more time to actually listen to a patient instead of treating them like they're in a factory or all of those horror scenarios. So we were all taught about the opportunities. But when I went into an academic hospital and talked to a doctor and he was specialized in lung disease. I still remember the guy, he was 50 plus. And he said, I don't want that computer in my office. And I'm like, it's just a machine. It's just a machine. He said, no. Wow. And I was not taught how to deal with that. How do you, I mean, I was given all these opportunities and it's really important that we implement these and we go into automation and we have digital patient records instead of paper. And I'm like, this man says, no, he doesn't even want the machine in his office, let alone actually use the thing. And that spurred me on a discovery into, okay, I need to understand him. So not the technology, I need to understand the human being to understand why he says no and how I can support him to turn that no into a yes. And that meant learning other things, learning about the brain, learning about human behavior, learning about changing human behavior. And it Mm -hmm. was a fascinating journey in that two and a half years. It took me two and a half years. After two Mm -hmm. and a half years, he says, look now, I've got that machine in my office, but you're the only one that's going to get me to teach me how to use the machine. I said, after this period of time, you have absolutely the right to ask me to do that for you because I've been hounding you. (laughs) You're literally my (laughs) guinea pig of how do I do this? Because it's an academic hospital so it's a very big hospital and we needed to implement the entire hospital and if i just hit the very first person i speak to says no to me i'm gonna get more people saying no and i need to find out how to deal with that and that's been one of my fascinations how did the interaction between technology and human beings and how do you bring them together in a way that they feel comfortable in using it but everything had to do with I needed to find out from him and understand that he said no because he couldn't imagine himself using the machine. I mean, this was a guy that used a voice recorder with his patients, blah, 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 blah. Give the voice recorder to his secretary and she type it out on a typewriter, not a computer, that the secretary changed the typewriter for the computer and she logged in under his name which is a security breach to do the work. And I'm like, we have to change this really fast before this becomes a practice in this large organization. Yeah, so it's wow. fascinating to see how this happened. For sure. I mean, people hate change, don't they? Not everyone, but a, a large chunk of people do not like change. And change is terrifying and overwhelming and just something they do not want to do because life is so busy and this one bit of change which apparently will make your life easier is scary stuff well in my experience they don't want to change when they don't know if the change is going to be better for them than what they've got now i mean evolutionary from an evolutionary perspective we humans have been changing we still change on a cellular level we change each and every second We just don't know it. So we're born into consistently improving and changing and growing. 
but as soon as it comes mm. something from the outside in and it, it comes packaged in you just have to do this because i say so then we say okay wait a minute i don't know if i'm going to be better after this so that's very interesting yeah. And I love that you said you want to transition into full-time coaching. Will that be specifically around supporting men in their divorce or are you going to branch out? Hmm. Yeah, it would be good, but I actually still enjoy working with women as well. So probably not fully working with men in divorce. I really enjoy working with women um, and just helping women to navigate their lives and where they want to be as well you know I have a bunch of ladies who I work with who are um, either you know their kids are now growing up and they're rediscovering who they are or they have themselves come out of a divorce and they've got to reset you know they don't have that the financial support or um, the emotional support of their husbands anymore and and they want to figure out where to next so, uh, yeah, I think I will still do a bit of both work with men and women. And I'm open to whatever the universe has for me in terms of coaching. If someone wants to do coaching with me, if it's in my realm of experience, then I'm likely to say yes, because I strongly believe that people come to me to help me grow. And I'm willing to do that. And if I have to say no, that means I have to work on my boundaries. And that's cool, too. And when I get to say yes, it's an honor and a privilege to help people, you know, live their best life. It truly is. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, and I, I completely agree. I love the change in their face and their expression when someone comes to you with a challenge or a problem and thinking, oh my God, it's been so hard. And then in a little bit of time, just by asking very good questions, they just, oh, I hadn't looked at that that way. Ooh, that opens up possibilities. And I'm like, yes. That's all worth it. You just see this little glow, this little pink colour. It's like, I don't know what happens when people are really sad, their blood's not flowing properly or something. And then all of a sudden, it's like they've, you know, they've suddenly got some makeup on or something and their eyes are sparkling and their whole complexion changes. It's very subtle, but very satisfying to see that. Yeah, I totally get it. And now for the most important question of this podcast. Mm -hmm. What's your favourite sushi and why? Oh, okay. So I have to tell you that I'm a bit of a bit boring when it comes to my favorite sushi, <laughs> but I really do enjoy the good old California roll. <laughs> Another one. Oh, good. I was thinking, should I fake it and pick something more extravagant? But I love the crab and the avocado and the color and just love the flavor. It's just so easy to eat and grab and especially if you're in a hurry and you know, it's like I'll grab one of them and I'll eat it in the car. <laughs> yeah, no, so, it's yeah. one of my favorites too, still. <laughs> still one of my favorites. It's the one that I order consistently no matter where I eat sushi. And it's actually very logical that it's a favorite for many because it's the start of sushi. If I had to advise what sushi to start with for someone who goes from, I don't know if I like sushi, maybe not, then I would advise the California because there's no raw fish in the California, but you still Mm. get the sushi form of a roll with multiple ingredients. So you can lean into sushi and then broaden your palate into actually the sushis with with the raw fish. How did your sushi journey start? Well, it hasn't been around for that long, actually. It was probably seven, eight years ago. And it was with my previous partner in between my 
two husbands. And he said, I'm going to take you to a sushi. I was like, okay, I don't know. I don't like raw fish. That's what I thought I was going to have to eat. He said, no, you'll love this place. And we went to this place in a little suburb in Sydney. And it was unbelievable. I was mega impressed. And I wanted to try everything. And I actually did try the sashimi as well. And I loved it. And pretty much that's how it started. So, yeah. Oh, wow. But how did you get past the raw fish? Who eats raw fish? Well, he just grabbed the sushi train kind of line thing. And I do like trying new things. And he ate it and he liked it. And I thought, all right, then, well, I'm here to try a new experience. So I just kind of chopped it into a smaller piece than the small piece that it already was. And and I put lots of soy sauce on it that first time just in case. And I liked it. And actually, that's probably my second favorite now. Wow, I really love that. Now, one of the things that we're really curious about recording our guests is if you, so your personality was a sushi, what would the ingredients be? Oh, probably salmon and avocado. And would it be a roll, a hand roll, a nigiri or? Probably, yeah, a roll. Yes, definitely a roll. For some reason, I don't like the nigiris that much. There's too much rice involved. <laughs> not enough topping, not enough flavour. I always think, oh, can we put some extra topping with that one? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, a roll with a good dose of um, salmon and avocado. and <laughs> Anything on top of the roll? You know what? I actually don't know the names of all the sauces, but there's, there's a, like a white sort of sauce that they sometimes pour on top. I quite like that. I don't know what it is. It's sort of like a mayonnaise type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be anything. It could be wasabi mayonnaise. It could be mayonnaise. They use something. Sometimes mm. they use seeds. Oh, yeah, I do like the seeds too. Not the wasabi, though. I find that's a bit too hot for me. Oh! <laughs> You're very lucky Gail is not here because she loves wasabi. <laughs> My husband loves it too, so that's cool. He always eats that. I'm like, yeah, that's for you. Um, <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, yeah. And we had one of our guests on when her sushi journey started. She went with a friend and her friend had said that the green stuff was avocado. And she oh. loves avocado. So the very oh. first thing she did is take a full spoon of it in her mouth. Oh. And if you know anything about wasabi, imagine the thing that they do in cartoons when steam is coming out of your ears. Well, that is what you do if you could take a full spoon of wasabi into your mouth. <laughs> That's horrible. And to me, it tastes horrible as well. It's not just the heat, the taste as well. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's an acquired taste to be really, really, really fair. Maybe so- a few years time. <laughs> <laughs> So with this lockdown, one of the other things that I'm really curious about is what was the last time you had sushi? Uh, Last week, actually. I was uh, walking through the shopping centre where I am. It's not too bad. The lockdown in Sydney is not too bad now. We just have to be careful and, you know, sterilise our hands and sanitise, I should say, and wear our mask and keep our distance. So I've been pretty lucky, actually. Nice, nice. Mm-hmm. Last week, wow, we've had guests that literally said, I can't get sushi here. There is no sushi in the vicinity. And with the lockdown, we can't get anywhere, especially the guests we've had from the US. Some of the places don't have any sushi. So it's great that you had sushi last week. Yeah, if I was in Victoria, it would probably be a different story. Yes, their lockdown is heavier than ours right now. 
Yeah, well, we've got that here in the Netherlands too. There are some regions that are more impacted and have more people having the disease than other areas. So it really is something. And the government has started to promote regional measures and impacts instead of the whole country being in lockdown again. (laughs) Yes, it's a massive impact. Yeah, not good. Yeah. So I'm curious about if we go back to you as an entrepreneur, what are some of the things that men go through when they go through a divorce? Mm, Lots of things. Um, Grief is one of them, which they may not recognise it as grief. Grief of losing their partner. Even if it was a horrible relationship, it can still bring up some grief because grief of, you know, the marriage is over. They expected this thing to last forever and now it's not. Grief of financial loss, their home. Sometimes it could lead to jobs going, businesses, that sort of thing. Not just property, but, you know, loved items, cars and items. And, of course, the children is a massive thing. You know, they don't get to see their children every day like they did before. The fighting between the couples can really lead to a lot of problems, a lot of stress. It can lead to guys not managing their work well or their own businesses. They kind of give up. For some, that can lead to addictive behaviours in terms of gambling or alcohol or porn. Porn can be a real problem because they turn to it and that can just change the way a guy looks at himself and his ability in regards to sex and relationships. There's so many things that men go through. It's really that real loss of identity as well because men don't talk about emotional stuff like women do. So whereas a woman can go to her family or friends and have a good cry and talk it out, often, well, in Australia anyway, a guy's mates will go, come on, let's go get drunk and pick up. Okay. So that's not going to help anything. Going to leave you with a hangover, and if you didn't pick up, you're going to feel like a loser. And if you did, you might regret it anyway. So, I really want to help encourage men to get real. Yeah. To just face their problems. You know, if you don't face it, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And if you don't figure out why your relationship went bad, you're just going to choose another partner who's going to teach you the same lesson. And this is what people often see in, in violent relationships, and it's often seen with women, but men go through the same thing. I do honour that men experience violence in relationships and that, you know, a woman will experience a violent relationship in her childhood and then go through relationship after relationship after relationship with the same stuff. And men do the same thing. And it might be, you know, they need to learn how to speak from the heart, how to communicate, how to love and not just show their love through their work or providing the income or whatever it might be. So there's so many things to learn in relationship you're always learning I'm still learning yeah I see couples yeah. all the time and and I learn you know through them and myself and I'm through my clients I think oh my god I'm so blessed I have done so much work on myself it's not funny and I'm so blessed that I am now with an amazing partner and I know that I would not be with him if I had not done the work because I didn't believe in myself before mm-hmm. and I wouldn't chosen someone like him and he wouldn't have chosen me because I wasn't ready for a good relationship so as we wrap up one question that came to mind is what are your tips when people are struggling with their mindset whether it be I'm not good enough or who am I to what are your top three tips 
Mm, wow, good question. There's so many things. I guess that first question, who am I to? It reminds me of that poem by Marianne Williamson, Who Am I Not To? You know, we are all created equal. We all started off exactly the same. And it's our upbringing that brought us to believe that we're not good enough. We are all good enough, every single one of us. And if we have been told over and over again through our parents or family or society that we're not, well, screw that. We are all the same. We are all equal. And we are all entitled to have a good life. So my probably number one tip is to start to be aware of what information you're feeding yourself. If you're looking at a lot of social media or negative stuff or even the news, it's going to impact who you think you are. It's uh, News, I do not watch the news. I hardly ever watch the news, maybe once a fortnight just to check in what's going on in the world because it brings me down. You know, I'm quite sensitive, so I don't want to see that. So we have to really be aware of the shit that we put into our mind and into our body because that's going to impact who we are. I would also say to ask for help. You know, there are an abundance of psychologists and coaches out there who are ready, willing and able to help. And if you don't like the first person that you speak to or the second or the third, keep going. It's like if you had an accountant you didn't like, you would go to the next one or a doctor. If you didn't like your doctor, you wouldn't suffer through them. You would find someone else. And mm -hmm. coaches and psychologists are the same. I've heard many people say, oh, you tried that, didn't like it. Well, that just means that the person's not a good fit. If you don't like me, that's cool. Go find someone else. I don't expect you to sit with me and work with me if you don't like me. <laughs> that's fine. I'm not going to be offended. We're all different. Yeah. yeah. So to talk about it, and the third one would be to talk about it, not to internalise how you feel because I can 100% guarantee you that unless you are like a narcissist or something, everybody has had that thought of I'm not good enough every single one of us. And we can work on it. You know, I still have that thought sometimes, am I doing the right thing? Am I not? Or I just keep working on it. And I'm happy to know that, you know, I'm human too. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's true. I mean, I still have it. I still have an, oh my God, who am I to do this? Who am I? There are other people out there that are way better than me. And, mm. and it, it happens. And we're human. Those thoughts come up. And the most important thing is to just, be with the thought and think, is it really true? Is it really, really yeah. true? If you really look at the facts, mm -hmm. is it really true that you're not good enough? And you'll find out that it isn't. So That's thank right. you, Leanne, for joining us on the yeah. Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast. I have learned a lot about psychologists, coaching, and men going through their divorce and your sushi journey, which I absolutely love. <laughs> and for those of you that are listening thank you for listening to another episode of the entrepreneur sushi club podcast we would love to know what has been your biggest takeaway from the conversation with leanne do take a moment and share this with us in our facebook group the entrepreneur sushi club the link to the facebook group you will find in the description with this episode and again if you know someone who will benefit from listening to this episode or any of the other episodes we have please do share it with them for now have fun and see you on the next one bye. thank you bye